Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. We were in Luke last week, and we were talking about the disciples going out. Actually, it weren't, it, they weren't the 12. These were beyond the 12, right? And I think this is, this is interesting. So Jesus calls these 70. He appoints them, and he sends them two by two. You know, um, that two by two is important. God calls us to walk with people in serving the Lord. And that's why it's important to link up with other people. And it's important, I believe, to be a part of a church, to be a part of a group that meets together. I'm just encouraging you, you know, connect with other people. Don't do this thing on your own. Iron sharpens iron. And we need other people that are going to sharpen us. And may God bring those into our lives. Amen. Anyway, so he's sending these 70 out two by two before him. So he's going to go somewhere, and he's sending them before, which is interesting. It's interesting. Why is he going to send somebody somewhere where he's himself going to go? Why do they need to go if he's going to go? Do you, do you understand my question? If God's going to go there, why, do, why does he need to send disciples? Isn't he better than the, you know, isn't he going to do a better job? So he's sending them somewhere where he's going to go. That shows you that uh, how God works in momentum. You see, everything doesn't always happen at one time. Some people water. Some people are, are planting. Some people are doing the sowing and the reaping, right? Others are the reaping. So these individuals are going out doing something, and you'll see in a minute, they're getting results. But beyond just the results that they're getting, their work is doing something that's bringing an increase to the kingdom of God. There's something happening that's changing things. And when Jesus himself is going to be there, he's going to have even greater results than if he had shown up having to begin from the very beginning and plow the earth himself. Y'all see what I'm saying? Amen. Y'all see that? See, sometimes we go into a place, you plow, you plant, you water, you know, it's a lot to do. He sent these individuals there where he's going to go. I love this because he didn't go thinking, okay, God, you just go, you come back. He's saying, you start something, you begin to work, but that's just if whatever happens, it's just to start. I'm going to be going there and even more is going to happen then. Amen. But we need to get this understanding of momentum. Sometimes things take a while to get going. But you see, when God begins to do something and the heavens begin to break open, which is what happened with these people we'll see a little later today, it's an open door for increase, increase of the Spirit, increase of effectiveness, increase of people getting saved, increase of lives getting changed. Amen? And you see what's happened. What happens is, again, we're going to look at this in a minute, but when, when we're doing work here, things are happening in the second heavens. Y'all know that God's in heaven. And then there's this spiritual realm. You remember Paul goes, I went to the third heaven. What do you call it? Third heaven. You know, um, he's trying to describe there's a place where God is and there's some place between here and there. 
Let's call that the second heaven, right? And where what's in there? I believe there are angels there. I believe there are also fallen angels there. I believe there are principalities and powers. If you go to certain states, certain cities, you can feel the something about that city, right? There, you can feel it when you get out of, I can, and I realize maybe I'm more like that than some people, but I can almost sense the atmosphere in a city when I go there, right? Or when I step out of my car, you know, I'm like, wow, or I can feel this something. You go to San Francisco, you feel something there. You go to New York, you feel something there. You go to someplace in Mississippi, you feel something there. You know what I mean? It's different. And that has to do with that atmosphere that's there, you see? And that atmosphere that's there is connected to the people that are there. When you begin to minister to the people that are there, you're affecting the atmosphere that is over that city. Amen? That's what happens. And people that don't understand that we're in a warfare and that these, things, these forces are real, they're out there, don't, don't recognize the battle that we're in. You so, so they go out, they'll start to do ministry. You know, it's, oh, it's hard. Oh, nobody came to God. Why is it that sometimes when ministry that, you know, it can be sometimes it looks like you work, you work, you work, you work, you work, and nothing happens. And then one day, one day when you haven't give up, given up, boom, boom. You can read about that in so many instances in history. I remember it. I think it was David Brannard. He went to go minister to the Indians, the American Indians. And so, um, you know, he ministered, he preached, he ministered, he preached, he ministered, he preached. And uh, nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. And then one day, something happened in, his, in prayer. He knew something had shifted. And boop, like that, just like crazy. Everybody started getting saved. Everybody was hungry for God. What happened there? You see, he'd been going out, and I believe God was using that in combination with his praying, right? And, and if you see this story, you can read actually what's going on here. When the 70 went out, I believe what Jesus was doing was he was praying for the 70. And I just love that, and I think that's the greatest thing. I know as a minister, my greatest joy would be to see many being sent out doing the work, and I'm just back helping them get going, helping them by praying for them, believing God, trusting God that God's going to use them to do miracles. Amen? Amen. I just love that, I, and I hope you're getting a vision for that. But what was going on, Jesus is back praying. They're out doing the work. Something is happening in the atmosphere, and something is happening in people's lives. What happened with David Brannard? And I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing his name right. I believe that's right. Do you know, is that right? Do you know his name? You don't remember his name. Okay, anyway. But he was a great missionary, a great man of prayer. But see, he, he came to this point where after all that time, he'd been faithful, he'd been plenty. Something broke. Finally, and people began to get saved left and right. He didn't give up. He kept going out. He kept praying. Something was happening. It happened in the people, but he was praying. So something else was also happening 
in a realm bigger than just him. And it wasn't just one that got saved. They all started getting saved. Something happened in the atmosphere. Something happened in the spirit of what was going on. Amen. Are y'all with me? And what was it? What did it take to happen? Prayers going up to God. Prayers going up to God. Lord, help them. God, bring them to you. God, break that darkness off of their minds. Break that force off of their minds. And I would just say, people, there is a great need for prayer today for our nation. Can you not see the darkness over people's minds? Darkness and sin, so much sexual perversion. It starts out with just normal sexual sin, but then it progresses. And now look how look at the darkness, how it's grown and grown and grown. Can't you see it's spiritual? Amen. Amen. It's a force in our nation. There is no question about that. We are not wrestling with flesh and blood in this nation. Yes. We need to preach. Yes, we need to tell the truth, and we cannot stop that. But we've also got to recognize we are in a spiritual battle, and we have to use spiritual weapons, and we need to put our trust in God because the the devil, spiritual forces, are bigger than we are, but they're not bigger than Christ in us. And once we begin to realize that, don't trust in yourself but with absolute trust in God and none in yourself, none in your ability, none in your power, none in your training, none of that, you know, you just step out in absolute trust in God. And I'll tell you, sometimes God will take people through a process to break them of them so that He can use them in a greater way than he would if they had confidence in themselves. Earlier this morning, I don't think I shared this here. I think I shared it earlier this morning. I was talking about how many times ministers will go out in faith and do things for God, but they don't realize how much of what they do is is in their mind. They're depending on their gift. They're depending on their ability. They're depending on their charisma. They're depending on their ability to organize it. And I'm not saying God doesn't use that, but the flesh profits nothing. You can build something of your flesh. God isn't even worried about that. It's got to be built by the Spirit of God. And sometimes God will let you go through hell on earth, so to speak, to break you of you and confidence in yourself. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, you got to have confidence in yourself. I understand the good of that. If you're living in this life, you need that. But when you start to put your trust in God, you've got to get to the place where you go higher than that. And to go higher than confidence in yourself, you've got to let go of that thing, that platform of confidence in yourself you've been standing on. Y'all see what I'm saying? You got to go through a re-education process because in this world you got to have confidence. You got to, you know what I mean? It works at some level of your soul flesh power. Right? But God says, my ways are higher than your ways. You want God to come through? 
You want God to pour out? You want a blessing from heaven? You've got to do things God's way and not your way. And you've got to quit trusting in you and put your trust absolutely in God alone. And that process will often start out with you being desperate. Because when you let go of whatever you've been trusting in, at that moment, oh, it feels desperate. It feels terrible. That's why for so many people, when they take that step to start trusting God, it's hard that first step because they realize they're letting go of something. They're letting go of being in charge of their life. They're letting go of whatever sins they've been holding on to that they keep excusing. They're letting go of things how they figured out life's going to be because usually what happens is we've already got in our minds how we think everything's going to work, what we need to have the best life, what we need, what we desire. And God says, if you want me, trust me. You're going to have to let go of all that other stuff. So it starts out when we get saved. Because we're going, God, okay, I'm going to do it your way. I'm sorry I've been sinning. I don't want to do that anymore. I'm being reconciled with you now, God. I, I want to be clean with you. Right? Amen? Amen? And then after that, what happens? We begin that walk. And God starts teaching us. He starts training us. Trust in me. Trust in me. Trust in me. I never even know where I am in God. You know that? I know I'm serving him. I know I love him. I don't even know where my maturity level is. Do you understand what I'm saying? I feel like sometimes I feel like every day I see something in me and I go, oh, God, I'm so sorry that was there. Didn't even know it was there. Right? And that's just the way life is. And I believe that's the way God wants things to be. But I just want to just encourage you again and show you something about this story where these people are going out. They see amazing results. They see it from the first day. There's already something that's been birthed in the spirit. It's already being poured forth. Now, I will say, this doesn't mean we're going to all go out today and the first day we're going to see the same results that they did the first day. We might be more like David Brainerd, where for some reason we're not in the same season where there's been an outpouring and now we need to contend for the faith. We need to recognize this is available for us and it's up to us to trust God, to obey God, and to just be faithful to go out and pray and God himself will bring the increase. Amen? An increase is always going to be more of God, more of the kingdom, and it's going to be an, a decrease of the darkness. And I'll just say this, God wants to deal with any darkness in any of your lives today. Any place that you've hidden from God, any place where you're afraid of him coming in, God wants to get in there and deal with that. He wants to bring light right there. You might go, oh no, I don't want you to go there, God. God wants to go there. You see, you don't want to let go. You're afraid, you're ashamed, whatever. God says, I want to go there. Don't be afraid to open up that door to me. I'm going to open up that door and I'll go in and you're going to be so glad when I open that door and all that stuff comes out like a bunch of bats coming out of that room. And then the light will come in and then the fresh air will come in. That's what it's like. And God says, what I do in you, I will do in society. We don't realize God wants to do this in society. 
We just think God wants to just deal with people. No, God wants to deal with society. Go back to Brandon. What was happened? What happened there? Something changed in the atmosphere where he was ministering. You want to say it this way? In the society that he was ministering in. Right? Something changed. Everybody began to come to God. And I want to just say this. When we go out, we're praying. We begin to go out. We begin to come, get back into this rhythm where we go, I know God has said, go and make disciples. I have authority. Now you go do it. He's told us to do it as well, right? Not just these 70. I know this is God's will. If things aren't opening, I know there's an issue where things need to change in the heavenlies. I need to keep planting. I need to keep sowing. God says at the right time, I will reap. Amen? But I cannot give up. I have to keep praying. I have to keep sowing, keep praying, keep sowing, keep praying, keep sowing. God knows when the breakthrough is going to come. Amen? Amen? But it'll come. It will come. Why? Because we're all led of God if we'll stay connected to Him. We're where we're supposed to be if we stay connected to Him. We might take some steps off the course, but if we stay connected, if we keep listening, if we allow God to correct us, which He will every day, Every day, I'm telling you, you better be with the Lord every day because you, you're going to be off course a little bit more tomorrow than you were today if you don't get with Him every day. Because every day God's going to go, starting to get a little off course. Every day. But if you just stay with God, you're going to be exactly where you need to be. If you deal with what God's dealing with you in your life, you're going to be exactly where God needs you to be. Amen? Amen. Okay, so anyway... He's got these disciples. He sends them out, right? He's going to train them to do ministry. Now, Matthew 28, what does he say? Go make disciples, teaching them to observe everything I commanded you. What? Teach. Okay, he's telling these 12, go and teach them to do everything I taught you to do. Now, I do believe that's moral living. How to live right. Is that true? But it's got to be a lot more than that. Because Jesus told them to do a lot more than that, didn't he? What do you think about going out ministering? Wait a minute. They were disciples. They were called disciples. What did they do? They modeled Jesus and they went out and they brought the kingdom. Isn't that true? And he says, I want you to make disciples and I want you to teach them to do what I've taught you to do. Think about that, guys and gals. When I say guys, I mean gals too. So what's Jesus wanting to replicate throughout history till he comes back? This process of winning people to God, teaching them how to walk and teaching them how to minister, teaching them how to bring light into this dark world, teaching them how to expand the kingdom and to see strongholds of the enemy brought down. It says in Isaiah somewhere, it says, of the increase of his 
kingdom and of his government. It's talking about the birth of Jesus. And then it goes, of the increase of his government and his kingdom, there shall be no end. See, so many people think that the kingdom is going to go, oh, it's going to be, this is what's happening to God's kingdom until Jesus comes back. Well, the Bible says, no, it says it's going to be like this. There's going to be no increase, no um, stopping of the increase. Whew, that's amazing. That's what we're supposed to be a part of. Amen? And what's it say in Mark 16? And these signs will follow those who believe. Who? Those who believe. They're going to cast out demons. They're going to speak in new tongues, etc., etc. They're going to lay hands on the sick. They're going to recover. They're going to pick up deadly things. You know, the Bible uses scorpions sometimes. It's talking about demons. They'll pick up scorpions or snakes. They won't hurt them. You see, what, what's he saying there? Why does he say that? Why does he say those who believe? Some other place in John, I think it's John chapter uh, 14. Whoever believes, way down the road. Same kind of, what I'm doing, he's going to be doing those same kinds of things. Guys, let me just tell you, this is the plan of God. You know how he sent out those 70? How he sent out the 12? He's showing us something. It's the way God wants to do it. Amen? God wants us to get this vision because he wants to send us out. He wants to get us to go out like the 12, like the 70, like all those early disciples. He wants us to be willing to lay down our lives. He's got something so much bigger. Praise God. So we saw that last week in Ephesians where he says this. He says, uh, Jesus gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What for? For the equipping of the church. The equipping of the church. Training, equipping. Why? For the work of what? Ministry. So everybody will say, who's in ministry here? Which one of you is in ministry? Somebody came in, some, other somebody point to me. He's the one in ministry. You know what it says here? It says in Ephesians, if you're a believer, you're supposed to be in ministry. My job is to train you and to help you and to get you out, so to speak, to be effective doing something. To be effective using your gift, discovering your gift, understanding the things of the Spirit, understanding the Word so you can use it. Amen? Amen. Now, a lot of people think, you know, I just don't have what it takes. I mean, you know, that's not me. I don't know if I can, I don't know how to make demons come down. I don't know how to make demons come out of people. Oh, no, don't don't ask me to do that, right? Um, you know, you need to have somebody with a certain kind of this and a certain kind of that and Listen, y'all realize Jesus is 12. He didn't go pick the smartest group of guys. He didn't go, man, you're really smart. I'm going to use you. He didn't go, oh, man, look how successful he is in business. I remember when I was in, I went to college with Michael Jordan. Not in his class, but in his, I mean, yes, in his class, the whatever year. But, uh, you know, so I got saved in college and people would be like, oh, man, if those so uh, some of these other guys were so popular, like James Worthy and my, all those guys were there. And the, the people getting saved would say, man, 
if they get saved, God really used them. I want you to think about that for a minute. You know what that's saying? God will use somebody because of their natural this or that or because of their charisma, right? God doesn't need that. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? God doesn't even need that. He'll use anybody. I think it's harder for God to use somebody like that. Who did God choose when he picked who he was going to use? Fishermen and tax collectors. They were like the most disliked people on the planet. Maybe even today, right? Tax collectors. How many of you would like for a tax collector to knock at your door? Right? <laughs> so this is who he picked. And, um, you know, it says in Acts 4.13, after Jesus was risen from the dead and the, the disciples were preaching, it says, it says that the Pharisees and Sadducees said this, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they realized they were unschooled and ordinary men. They're going, these guys, they haven't even been to seminary. They haven't even been to Pharisee school. They've not been to Sadducee school. They hardly know very much, right? They marvel. How can these men be being used like that? We don't even understand that. They're not trained. They don't have the degrees. They're not wealthy. They're not this. They're not that. They're nobody. It says they saw them as unschooled and un, excuse me, unschooled and ordinary men. They're just ordinary people. I can't believe that. They're so common. I, we can't even believe God that they're doing all the things that they're doing. It says then they realized these are the men that had been with Jesus. I just love that phrase because we know it means one thing like they go, oh, these are the ones that were Jesus. But the way it's written, it's so nice, almost as if God wrote it to say something else too. The people that are the ones with Jesus are the ones that end up being used like that. It's not about your degree. It's not, I mean, God can use those things. You know, God called Paul, but he didn't call many people like that, right? You know, Paul was very educated, right? But he didn't call a whole bunch of people like that. It says this, listen to this verse, 1 Corinthians. I think I, I wrote 129. That doesn't seem right. I guess it is. God doesn't call many wise by man's standards. He doesn't call many wise. He's not, he's not like pulling somebody who's also wise. There. Oh, oh, let me use his wisdom. Oh, I'm, I, that's a wise man in the world. Let me get him saved so, so I can use him. God doesn't call many wise by man's standard. He doesn't call many noble in the eyes of man. But what does he call? God calls and uses the weak things of the world, of this life, the things that are not, so that no flesh would glory in his presence. Are you a nobody? God's, you know, God loves to use nobody. No, nobody's, amen. You're the very one God can use. I remember years and years ago when I first, I hadn't been saved very long. I remember there was these churches, you know, they were like, it was almost like in a slum, a huge church, like in a slum, like a, where was that? Washington, D.C. area. And I remember they sing a song, I am somebody. And the, the point was, 
I am somebody in the Lord because they already knew they were nobody in themselves. You see what I mean? But then I remember going to other kind of affluent areas and, I'm, and their focus would be more like, we are nobody. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let the rich, let the affluent say, we are nobody so that they can put their hope in the Lord. Are y'all getting what I'm saying? And let those who are nothing say, I am somebody because there's somebody in God. <laughs> you see, the point in either way is don't look to who you are, whether you've got nothing or whether you've got something. Nullify that and say it's only about God. Amen. Yeah. Anyway, I like this too. You know, after these 10 go, after these 70 go out, later in the story, they come back all excited. Oh, demons are coming out. People are getting healed. Oh, it's bigger than we ever thought. And Jesus makes a comment and then he goes, he is rejoicing and laughing. And he goes, God, I just thank you. You, re you hid this from the wise and the brilliant and the people that are the who's who. And you showed it to babes. He's looking at these people going, these people, they don't even know their left hand from the right hand hardly, but they're sincere. They love you. And look what, look what they've experienced. And all these people that know so much, have so much, think so highly of themselves, they've got nothing. You see what I'm saying? I just think, wow. That's, and Jesus loved that. So I want to encourage you. If you're so prideful in who you are, how smart you are, what you've accomplished, God can't use you in that area. Are Y'all see what I mean? But if you feel like that's not important, or if you even feel like, I got nothing, I'm nobody, that's okay. That's not bad at all. As long as you begin to recognize, I am something in Christ. He loves me. That's an amazing thing, and that's all that matters. Amen? If you're precious to God, what else do you want to get your significance from? What's more significant than that? That the creator of heaven and earth has a, his attention on you. You ever realize whatever kind of things you think about, that's what you want to impress? You know, if, if you're a football player, you want to impress other football players or other people that are into that. But if you're a scientist, that might not impress you at all. You want to impress other scientists, don't you? Right? Because you think maybe. If you're a teacher... You know, you got to, you know, it's not necessarily about being a great teacher. It might be for some other, you just want to impress the people that you're around every day. You see what I'm saying? When you begin to get away from that and you just put your mind on God, I want to just tell you, it's one of the most fulfilling things you can ever experience. When you quit trying to impress other people and all you're doing is trying to just enjoy God. Amen. Amen. So, okay. Now, um, I want to get back to this. God wants to use you, right? There's a story that I think is really interesting here. It's in, it's in Mark chapter 9. This is so interesting to me. John comes up to Jesus and he goes, Teacher, we saw somebody else driving out demons in your name. We told him, Stop, because he wasn't one of us. Now, this is so funny to me. You know, this happens quite a bit where Jesus' own disciples were the ones stopping the move of God. You know, another place, there's this woman worshiping, and she, she bursts out this costly oil, anoints Jesus with it, and they're like, that could have been for the poor. 
What do you think you're doing? Wasting all that money on Jesus. She was worshiping God and the disciples are stopping her. That's just funny to me. So, and let me just say, sometimes ministers are the ones that stop the move of God, whether you like it or not. If they don't let God deal with them, ministers are the very ones who will stop God from moving. Jesus rebuked them. Hey, let that woman worship me. She's doing what's right. You guys have a wrong attitude, right? And here, John C. and some guys casting out demons. This is crazy to me. Demons are coming out of somebody. And John goes, huh, look, I don't know who that is. He's not one of us. He goes over, he goes over to this guy who has probably been a great man of prayer. He got this without being around Jesus like the 12 were. That shows me this guy was probably more in tune with God than those 12 were. Are y'all with me? Sometimes the people that have the big name and the ones who are called aren't necessarily the ones who are the closest to the Lord. Just like in that other example where Mary was worshiping Jesus and these others are stopping her. She's the one close to God, not the other 12 with the name. I'm not putting down the 12. I'm just saying in that instance, she was right. And here's this guy. He's been serving God. He's been watching Jesus from afar. He's been taking it home. The light's starting to come on. He sees some people that has the need. He steps out. I, we don't know why. Maybe he's going, man, it's so hard. There's such a need. And he just one day, he goes, in the name of Jesus, come out of that man. And the demon comes out and the guy might go, you understand what I'm saying? And then, and then he sees that happening. I'm telling you, he's probably overjoyed. And here come Jesus, one of his top men. And he goes, stop that. I mean, think about that. What if you were that guy and a top man of God ordained by God, tells you, stop what you're doing. Man, it's got to just, got to be crazy, right? And what does Jesus tell John? Jesus looks at John and goes, don't stop him. <laughs> That's what he says. Don't stop him. It's like, what do you think you're doing? And he says this, no one can work a miracle like that and soon after speak evil of me. The one who's for me, he's not against me. How can he be against me if he's for me? What he's saying there, which is really powerful, is this guy has a relationship with me. That's why he's not going to go out and speak evil of me because he's connected to me. And this, what he's doing, these miracles are coming out of his relationship with me. <laughs> you see? And what else did he say? And I want you to think about this. What does this story teach us? This man took initiative and did something. He wasn't one of the 12. He wasn't one of the 70. He was with God. I don't know how it started. Maybe he saw somebody with a need and he prayed for him for that demon to come out. You know, today it's amazing. We don't even see Christians praying with other people that have issues. 
Maybe they don't believe God will even do anything. Maybe they're afraid to step out. God says, you start stepping out. You start praying for people's breakthroughs. You start claiming God's blessing over their lives, the darkness to be broken, the curses to be broken, the dysfunctionality over their home, their lives to be broken. Because God uses you to do the ministry. Jesus never said, well, if God wants their devils to come out, they'll come out. No, he, he says, you go and cast them out because God doesn't want them in there. Well, why didn't God get them out? This is how he's going to do it. You got to go. If you don't go, they won't come out. Wait a minute. Isn't it God's will to come out? Isn't, it, doesn't, isn't God's will always done? No, not that way. God doesn't want anybody to be, to be lost. But how will they hear unless somebody tells them? God doesn't want people walking around with issues and demons. But how will they be free? If somebody who has, you know, heard from God doesn't go and speak to them. Doesn't that make sense? Jesus is like, I want people to be free, but they've got to go. And what did this man do in Mark? He took the initiative. He just did something. And John goes, no, you can't do that. No, you didn't go through the right process. I understand there's some people to get, well, it's all about them. It's not really about helping other people, right? That's not what this was. This guy's out serving God, wanting people to get help. And John's going, no, you can't do it that way. Jesus is like, hey, just let it happen. Sometimes God wants to move out of the boundary of how we think he ought to do things. Right. He can get us upset. Oh, I don't like it like that. I don't, I don't have control over that. I, wait a minute. Is that, is that, that's not in our group. That's not in, God's like, is, is God moving? You just watch. Don't, don't stop it. Amen. But I like that he has, I like that they have initiative. What about you? You see what I'm saying? Where's your initiative? Where's your initiative to use what you've learned? Where's your initiative to go help somebody? Where's your initiative to take God? Did he not say, you're the light of the world, go let it shine? What does that mean? That means to expel darkness somewhere. And what's the kingdom of evil? Darkness. What are demons? Darkness. You're supposed to have the light in you. You're supposed to be taken. You're supposed to be with them, getting inspired, be thinking about problems, and go out and do the work of the ministry because that's what you're supposed to be doing. Amen. My greatest ministry, one of them is you. Right? To encourage you, to prod you along, to help you see things from the Word that you can apply and go do something with it. But you need to go and be the ones who do it. Isn't that exciting? God wants to do the miracles through you. God wants to cast out demons through you. I just love this. I, I think it'd be great one day just to pray over everybody and just say, go find somebody today with a demon. Almost everybody would go, oh, I already had, I know at least 10 people. Right? Anyway, so, so here he is. And, you know, in this story, we were talking about it in Mark, where John is, is going, God, uh, Jesus, he was like proud of it. I stopped him. I told him no. 
You know, it's just funny to me. You know, another reason why, why pastors or ministers stop people uh, from from ministering. This is this is sad, but I I've seen it happen. It's because they get their sense of importance and value from their ministry. Oh, I'm the man of power of the hour. Don't give them attention. Do you understand what I mean? That is so wrong. Um, you see, that, that's that's the worst attitude. Um, if we begin to get attention from men and try to preserve ourselves, I'll tell you this, and I've seen it happen so many times, and I think this celebrity Christianity is just going it just causes problems. Because you have people who are trying to get the approval of men, the applause of men, likes on the Facebook page. You know, you have the great amazing clip where you look a certain way and you say things in a cool certain way and then it just goes everywhere and you just feel amazing about yourself. Oh, you know what I'm saying? That's such a dangerous place for ministry to be in because our focus ultimately should want to be to build other people up and let them do the ministry. You see? I love what Moses did, right? He had this right attitude. Numbers 11, 25. It says, God took the spirit that was on Moses and placed that spirit on 70 elders. Now, y'all know Moses had the spirit of God on his life. Y'all remember? You remember sometimes he'd come out of that tent and it said he had to put a, a face mask on. That was before COVID and all of that. It says, Moses would put a face mask on because he had glory on his face. And um, so that was because of being with the Lord. So Moses had an intense presence of the Holy Spirit on his life. And God tells Moses, Moses, I want to take that spirit and I want to put it on other people, on, on 70 other people. Now, you notice Moses didn't go, but Lord, I've been serving you all this while. I've been serving you all this long time. And, and, and now I have the spirit, and you just going to put it on people like that? You, you, you understand what I'm saying? I was reading a little post the other day. Somebody made a comment, and it was a minister that God used. And then he's a young fellow, and I know this is the kind of thing young fellows say. But he was like, man, I get a revelation from God. I spend time with God, and then I share it, and then I hear all these other preacher, preachers sharing my revelation. <laughs> and he was sharing it with everybody like, these bad preachers, I can't believe how bad they are. And I'm, I'm thinking, you need some mature ministers in your life to help you have a bigger perspective on that because you shouldn't care about how many likes you get, how much attention you get. You should get from man. You, won't, you should want whatever God gives you to go everywhere. Amen? I just thought it was sort of funny. He's like, other people are preaching what I said, and I came up with it. I got, I got the revelation. Anyway, so God takes the spirit that's on Moses. He places that spirit on 70 elders. And it says, as the spirit rested on them, they prophesied. What's prophecy? You're, you're given an inspiration of what's coming to you. Now, people think that prophecy has to be perfect. We'll talk about that maybe another day. It doesn't. You're, you're sharing some, Sometimes God will start bubbling out of you, and you get a little bit of you mixed in with it too. Do you understand what I mean? We'll, we'll get into that. It's not like 
the word of God that was prophesied where, you know, Samuel's like, oh, Lord, speak. I hear you. I mean, it's an audible voice coming to him. Anyway, we'll get into that later because I believe we're all called to prophesy, so to speak, and bubble up with the Spirit of God if we're born again. Or we can all do it at some level. But anyway, they've all prophesied. Now, look look what's happened here. God took of the Spirit on Moses on that ministry. He takes that and he lets that rest on 70 others. That's his own. Just think, that's an amazing experience. That's the kind of thing God does today. It's a prefiguring of something. You see, God will take a man, a ministry of something, a prayer, whatever, and the anointing that's been birthed there that's been wrought through prayer, through hardship, through whatever. He takes of that and he puts that on that next generation. And they're supposed to run with it. He took Pentecost and all these men that just went through all those trials. And then and then there's Peter preaching. And look what Peter's gone through. I mean, and here are these thousands. And he says, guys, What you see is happening to us, it's for you too, right now. You see what I'm saying? God wanted to take that power, and you see the power that came on them for ministry. He's going, God wants you to have that too, right now, today. You don't have to work for it. Amen? All you do is just come to God. He wants to give it to you so free. It's just such a powerful thing. But anyway, there are two people that were chosen out of those 70 that weren't there. 68 out of 70 showing up, that is not so bad, right? We don't have that many coming to church on Sunday. But 68 showed up and two weren't there. It must have been a good reason because God honored it. And they were wherever they were. And um, God hit them where they were, which this just shows me something. God knows where you are. He knows if you're not able to come to church. I'm not saying you're too lazy to come to church. You know what I mean? And I just wanted to give a shout out to uh, to some of our guys. They, they don't always hear on Zoom. Sometimes they come on Facebook or whatever. But I, Greg, man, I just, Greg, he's in the middle of nowhere. That's the way I look at it in Kansas, right? And um, Lisa's reaching out to him. He's related to Lisa somehow. I think they're cousins, right? Or second cousins or some first cousins, whatever. So, well, somehow Greg ends up getting saved and he drives a truck. He's driving all the time and God reached out to that man. That man saved. He listens to messages all the time. He drove all the way down here. How far is it, Lisa? How many? 12 hours. I want you to think about that. He drove 12 hours to come here to get baptized and be with us and to connect with us. That's amazing, Right. God honors that. And now he's going to be in one of the discipleship groups, I think, starting this Saturday. I mean, it's just amazing. Another guy, Keith, is usually, I think they come on Facebook normally. Keith, uh, he started listening. He's, again, he's, I, I call these middle of nowhere places. Some, I think he's somewhere like 30 miles from Colleen, and I don't even know where Colleen is. Um, did you clean your teeth today? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. They're going to be from Texas. No, it's not spelled exactly like that. But anyway, 
He called me after church one day. He saw online. God was dealing with him. And he says, man, I want prayer. I'm coming right now. Will you meet with me? And this is over Sunday after church. It was 1230. He says, I can be there by five o'clock. I just, I said, you're just going to come here to get prayer? Yes, I want prayer. And I tell you what, we prayed. I'm just praying and I felt God just come in the room and I'm going, this isn't me. It's because of that man's hunger. He came here all the way and the power of God came all over that guy. And he's just going, I don't know what this is. I never had something like this happen to me before. And I'm just going, it's just God came on you and he saw your hunger to get over here. You understand what I'm saying? Anyway, God sees where you are. He'll meet your hunger. These guys weren't able to get there somehow, but God met them and the Holy Spirit came on them and they prophesied. Now, when these two were prophesying, they weren't in the camp. They run to Moses. Some guy goes, hey, these two guys, they prophesied. And Joshua, the man of God, goes, Moses, tell him to stop. Tell him to stop. And Moses says this, are you jealous on my account? No, we're the one. It's got to come out of you. You got to be the one that initiates all of this. It can't be just, I mean, and Moses goes, look, I wish all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would place his spirit on all of them. That is the right desire. That's God's heart. And that's what happened when the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost. All of God's people became ministers that would, that will be willing, that will say, God, here I am, send me. Amen? Amen. God has a whole army of people. But we've got to be like Moses that says, God, raise them up. We've got to be like people that, like those 70 who say, God, I'm willing to go. We've got to be people like that one that said there's a need i'm going to take initiative and just connect with god i'm going to pray ask him to help me and i'm going to step out amen and they stepped out and made something happen i just want to encourage you today i hope your vision's getting bigger about this god wants to use us if you look at the end of this story i'll finish with this right here you'll see something where jesus says when you guys went out, they come back and they go, hey, Jesus, who is this? Verse 18, 17, they came back with joy. Look, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. That's Luke 10, 17. He goes, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven or from the, you know, yeah. When did he see him? When they went out. How'd they fall from heaven? Their strongholds were being broken. He saw the atmosphere changing because people went out and did something. If they had not gone out to do anything, the atmosphere would not have changed. People's lives would not have changed. They would have seen nothing and they'd keep walking around like they do every day. But because they stepped out, they trusted God, something happened. Amen? If we will step out, God will do his part. If we will pray when it looks like we're not getting results, we just know, you know what? God said, this is for us today too. He said, go make disciples, do everything they did. If we'll start doing this and we'll start praying, we'll start seeing things happen. Amen. I tell you, God's going to have a people. And I believe right now, even he's raising up people that are going to see the kingdom of God come. 
They're going to see people get set free. They're going to pray for people. They're not going to give up. They're going to go home. They're going to get in prayer. They're going to war when they need to war. They're going to rejoice at all times. It's going to be an amazing thing. They're going to be free from just looking after their own selves and their own lives. They're going to be free to do what God wants them to do. God's going to raise up an army. He's going to invade this earth again before he comes back. There's going to be a great harvest. Amen. The end times harvest. You ever hear that? Guess how that's going to happen. He's going to pour out his spirit. The atmosphere is going to change, but there's going to be people like you and like me who are going out doing whatever he's called us to do. We're praying for people. We're laying hands on the sick. We're looking for people at work. We're looking for people in the neighborhood. We're looking for people in the Starbucks. We're always mindful, God, who can I go to? We're looking for that open door. Amen. We're looking for a need. And maybe you already know somebody demon-possessed. I would just say, why don't you take a day in prayer, prayer, pray for them, and then just go. If you're serving the Lord, just go in the authority of the name of the Lord of Jesus Christ and cast that thing out. You know, Peter saw a miracle one time. And, and people are looking at him and he goes, Hey, why are you looking at me? Like if my own godliness or my own power did that. See, people think, oh, I'm not powerful. No, it's God. He goes, why are you looking at me like I did that? Like my power did that? Or I'm so godly, I did that. No, it's just faith in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus did that miracle. Once we begin to understand this, get your eyes off of you. If you're, you believe in the Lord, you have, a, you have a good relationship with God. You know why you don't want to go out? Because you're looking to you. You're looking to you. You, all, you understand what I mean? Oh, I don't have, oh, I, I don't know. What I, I can't do anything. None of them could do it. They just stepped out and God did it. When you don't trust in you, that's a good thing. If you say, God, I don't trust in me, but I sort of feel like I'm trying to, you know, but I'm going to trust in you. Watch, God to come through for you, amen? Step out this week. Will you, will you commit today to stepping out in something and go a little further than you've gone before? Will you stretch your faith a little bit? Will you try, And not about, about you, don't look to you. Start... Don't start going, I can do this. I mean, no, start going, God's going to enable me. God's going to come through. Lord, my eyes are on you. I don't feel like I can do it, but I'm just going to do it to obey you. How about praying for a sick person this week? God, heal them. And don't say, God, if it's your will. God already says it's his will to heal people, right? That's like saying, God, if it's your will, let this person get saved. Lord, if this, you, you understand, if, this, this, if it's your will, help this man to stop beating his wife. Yes, it's his will. You understand what I mean? Pray and just say, God, I'm your tool. I'm your vessel. It's not even me. I'm just being a vessel. I'm just being a vessel. Step out this week. Amen. Amen. Can y'all do that? Amen. Reach out to that somebody that God's been nagging you about that you need to reach out to. Do what you need to do. Take that extra step. Identify with Christ and quit trying to be so cool in your environment. Quit trying to be the one who won't ruffle any feathers and, oh, everybody likes just step out and pray. See what God will do. Amen. Lord, we just thank you, God, just like you sent the 12, just like you sent the 70, and just like that one that just took initiative. God, you want us to go out. You want to use us like your hands and your feet. And we need to be equipped. And God, you train us as we go out. So, Lord, this week we pray, God, we pray, give us souls. Father, we pray you give us people that would be saved. God, we pray you give us some people, we'll, we'll just plant the seed. God, we, we're not the one that really harvests. You, you are. You have to do it. So, Lord, we're not going to 
take it personally if they don't get saved. But God, we just thank you. There are plenty that are ready. There are many that are ready. And God, as we go out and we start knocking on these people's lives, we're going to find those that are ready. So Lord, we ask you this now, Lord, use us. God, use us for this hour, Lord, to shine light, that people would see Christ, that people would get their breakthroughs. Lord, there's so many needy. If nobody goes, nobody gets a breakthrough. Please, Lord, put that on our hearts. Help us, Lord, to not be so just wrapped up in our own little success and our own little adventures and our own little ambitions. God, help us, Lord, to love other people and to really care about where they are and to think about them. Lord, help us to have our mind and our affections on eternal things and not on earthly things. Lord, we commit ourselves to you now, Lord. Without your help, we can't even serve you. So, God, we pray, help us to serve you and use us, God, and it's just simple, common vessels, vessels of clay that the power of God will use to flow through us to other people. God, that's what we're asking you for. And Lord, right now, we just, ahead of time, just go, God, we're not going to look to us. We're just going to trust you. And we're not even going to worry about the results. That's in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen.